Welcome to Ed Council Insights. This is our podcast to provide insights into new developments in the Missouri education community. If you are a Missouri school leader, school board member, or any public educational decision maker in Missouri, well, you are in the right place. Today, we are going to talk about what I call closed session curiosities, closed sessions of the Board of Education, and the strange. Now, I'm not talking about board meetings where we have odd topics to discuss, like a board member having conjugal relations with a staff member on school property, or perhaps taking a recess in the middle of closed session so that two board members can go out in the parking lot and beat the crap out of each other. No, I, and I, by the way, I'm not sure why board members forget that we might have video cameras in many locations on our school property, including parking lots. But these are not the types of things that I want to focus on, at least not today. Instead, I want to focus on legal items that are just a little removed from the beaten path. Procedural quirks, misconceptions, odd little things that tend to come up in the closed session environment. As I said, things I have labeled for lack of a better way of phrasing it, curiosities. It's a good word, and besides, it gives us an alliteration with closed session, so I think we'll go with it. So I've got, uh, I think it's about 10, we'll call it 10-ish things I want to talk about that are closed session curiosities. I think I'll start with closed session recordings. Now, many people don't realize this, but you have to have permission to record a closed session of the board. As a part of the Sunshine Law, there's a provision that says no audio recording of any meeting shall be permitted without permission of the public body. Public body being, in our instance, school board. And if anybody does record a closed session without the permission of the school board, it's actually a Class C misdemeanor. So if you have a board member who is uh, perhaps, uh, and maybe it's not just a board member, maybe it's an employee that's in the closed session for whatever reason, and they are surreptitiously recording something on their phone, you know, if they're doing anything to audio record the meeting, well, that may be a problem for them in the sense that it is a Class C misdemeanor. Just a curiosity that comes up every now and again, something that you probably want to make uh, sure that the people in your closed session are aware of, uh, but it is something that's in the law. Next curiosity, moving from recording, I want to talk about the facility of closed sessions. Interestingly enough, And this is something that does come up a fair amount because uh, a lot of times school board after an open session of the board will have their closed session. And as they're preparing for the closed session for security reasons or for some other reason, they might just close down the building that we're having the meeting in. Well, there is a provision that would go to this issue in the Sunshine Law, 610022, if you're interested in it. But it says public governmental bodies holding a closed meeting shall close only an existing portion of the meeting facility necessary to house the members of the public governmental body in closed session 
allowing members of the public to remain to attend any subsequent open session held by the public governmental body following the closed session. In other words, you can't close the whole building when you go to closed session. You got to have some space in the building for anybody, uh, any members of the public that would happen to be there that want to wait and see if you're going to conduct any business when you come out of closed and to open. So that's something that uh, I see, I shouldn't say frequently, but I, it's not uncommon for districts to do that. And that's one that's probably not commonly known uh, as an issue. So just remember, we're not supposed to close the entire building. All right. Uh, get to another closed session oddity. This one is, uh, is, I think, more of a misconception. And it's a misconception in the law that many people, including lawyers, are confused about. There is commonly a belief that you cannot have a closed session without an affirmative public vote of the majority of a quorum of a public body in an open session meeting. Well, if you read the Sunshine Law carefully, specifically 610.0223, it does say that no meeting or vote may be closed without an affirmative public vote of the majority of a quorum of the public governmental body. But right before that, it says, except as set forth in subsection two of this section, no meeting or vote may be closed. So subsection two actually says, a public governmental body proposing to hold a closed meeting or vote shall give notice of the time, date, and place of such meeting and the reason for holding it by reference to a specific exception in the Sunshine Law that allows for the closure. So my point is that you can't just simply say that, well, if you don't have a vote in open session, you can't go to closed. And it's not exactly true, although that is how most school districts handle it. There's also the possibility of just simply noticing up a closed session of the board. And if you notice it and you do it appropriately, meaning giving the time, date, place, and citing the specific reason for closure, then that's acceptable too. And no open session vote is required by the Sunshine Law in that instance. So that is one that is, uh, like I said, it's a common misconception, not objecting to you doing. Uh, your vote's in open session to go to close, but just understand that if you've noticed it as a closed session and you've done that appropriately, you're covered as well. All right. Speaking of notice, kind of gets us to the next item up for bids, and that is the adding of agenda items. We have this issue with closed session and with open session where we really aren't supposed to, under the Sunshine Law, go ahead and have a meeting. Unless we provided adequate notice of the time, date, location, and also a tentative agenda. The law requires us to post a tentative agenda. That would be for open or closed. But for closed session, the tentative agenda that's being published and to provide the public notice is simply a citation to the applicable sections of the statute that allow for the closure of that particular meeting. What I'm getting at here is that you've got to cite the exceptions, but you're not really listing out the specific topic 
that you're going to discuss, because if you did that, that would mean you would have that topic identified, and it might lead to disclosure of confidential information, things that are not supposed to be uh, opened unless the board votes to open them. So when you're looking at that sort of thing, you know, you've got the issue of notice and the agenda, the tentative agenda for that closed session identifies the exceptions that are applicable. Can you add something to the agenda? In particular, since there aren't specific topics that are listed publicly in the notice. So the idea behind the reluctance or I should say the, the prohibition to on changing the agenda goes to the idea that we you know we haven't put the the public on notice of what we're going to talk about and if we haven't put the public on notice of what we're going to talk about we shouldn't be talking about it in a public meeting well that really that logic doesn't really apply necessarily to a closed session because we're not really telling them the specific topics we're going to talk about anyway however i think that if you have not cited a specific exception and you wish to add an agenda item to a closed session that does not relate to an exception that's been cited, you've got a bit of a problem because the public ha would have no way of knowing that you're going to talk about legal or you're going to talk about personnel in closed session. And uh, you could make the argument as a member of the public that you violated the Sunshine Law. Is it uh, Does it flow from the logic or the rationale for the rule that, hey, because they're not going to get specific notice of the topic no matter what we do, even if we amended the agenda, does it flow that they would have that argument? Mm. But I think that if you don't have a citation to the exception that applies and you're trying to add a topic that would call for a new exception to be cited, eh, that's a little bit more of a problem. Then it would be just simply adding another second personnel item, and you've already cited personnel, for example. So that's a little bit of an oddity, not been litigated to that point, but it is something that is that does come up uh, from time to time when we're talking about our closed session curiosities. You know, another area that uh, is interesting with respect to closed sessions is whether or not select members of the public can be included in the closed session of the board. In other words, can you invite in certain people? And I would say, yes, the board can make that decision to bring in uh, members of the public if that's what they choose to do. And we do this from time to time to address the board regarding a particular matter. Sometimes they want to hear from someone, and it, but it is about a closed session topic. So appropriate to have that conversation in closed session with that member of the public. Where it gets to be a little bit more tenuous, I think, is when you start to include multiple individuals from the public and you bring them in to this closed session of the board. And uh, it, that's kind of why we typically would suggest that you bring in people one at a time and kind of handle it that way uh, so that we don't have a meeting with half the members of the community in the uh, multi-purpose room and exclude everybody else, that would probably uh, not fly under the Sunshine Law. Although I have had school districts, contrary to my suggestion, include you know 
I think at one point we had like 50 people in a in a closed session of the board. And I'm like, hey, yeah, you probably don't want to do that because it looks like you're just selecting members of the public that you're going to allow to attend and not others. But I would say you can include members of the public, but if you get out of hand with that, it may lead to some challenges from those that have been excluded. You know, we were talking about the notice. I want to kind of move to the next curiosity on my list of 10-ish items here. The notice cites exceptions that are applicable to closing the meeting, personnel, legal, real estate, whatever it may be. And also, similarly, we do the same thing with our motion to go into closed session if that's how we are handling the closure of the meeting and having the board vote in open session to close. What we see sometimes is that a board will cite either in the notice of the meeting or in the uh, motion that's being made in an open session, pretty much all of the applicable exceptions to the closed session so that uh, we have maybe, you know, not necessarily all 20 some exceptions cited, but, you know, maybe 10 that we just leave on there every single time. That's really not appropriate. Under the law, what it contemplates you're going to do is cite the exceptions that are applicable to what you're going to be talking about in closed session that evening. And so we need to limit those notices and limit the citation in our motions to only the exceptions that are applicable to your particular closed session that you're going into. That's uh, something that is not that uncommon for a district to be cited for doing that uh, by the state auditor if they get audited because uh, you'll see that sometimes you'll see notices for years on end that have uh, the same citations to um, the Sunshine Law exception every single time. I noticed that uh, several years ago that that was going on with the State Board of Education where they were citing the same exceptions every time, even though they, they weren't necessarily talking about it. Not really considered appropriate under the Sunshine Law. You want to make sure that you're citing only those exceptions that are applicable to the closed session that you're about to have. The next uh, oddity that I want to talk about is one that relates to the minutes. And there are different practices out there. Uh, some school districts handle it in different ways, but it's important to note that the closed session minutes don't become open. They are even those that have items that do become open. Only those select items under the Sunshine Law are required for uh, disclosure. And what I mean by that is say we have uh, personnel items and we have the motion from, and the final vote of the board and how each board member voted that becomes open because if it's on the hiring, firing, disciplining, or promotion of an individual, if we do that, well, all of the discussion we've had to the extent that it's reflected in the minutes, none of that becomes an open record. It's only those portions of the closed session minutes that are required to become open under the Sunshine Law would we normally put in our minutes that we disclose in response to a sunshine law request? What I see happen sometimes is districts will have a like a standing media request 
for all minutes of the board. And in in response to that, they've gotten into the practice of just providing the closed session minutes after 72 hours or something like that. Uh, that's really not required under the law, and it's not something I would advise that you do from a legal perspective, something you probably need, want to talk to counsel about if you're doing that and try to limit the scope of some of those things because it can be, create some risk for you. Another area I want to go into is it's not a closed session if it's not a meeting. I'll say that again. It's not a closed session if it's not a meeting. Well, we have to have certain things. Uh, certain items present, certain conditions present, I should say, in order for us to have a closed session of the, of the board. And it's got to be a meeting. We'll talk about what that means, a public meeting. And there has to be the discussion of public business. The reason I point this out is that a lot of times uh, I'll be at a, a closed session of a board and we'll finish up and we'll adjourn. And then there will be some you know level of discussion maybe about a social matter or something along those lines not every conversation among a quorum of the board is going to be a meeting what we have to have in order to have a closed meeting is a public meeting which the sunshine law actually defines what a public meeting is and it's any meeting of your school board at which public business is discussed debated or public policy formulated. So the discussion of public business is required. Now, I will tell you, public business is defined pretty bro broadly, but it has to be the discussion of public business. And it has to be the discussion, uh, decision, or public policy formulated for it to be a public meeting that would trigger the requirements of the Sunshine Law. It does not include an informal gathering of your board members for either ministerial or social purposes. So um, we can talk about what those mean, but uh, it, you know, really it doesn't contemplate that every single time that you pull together a quorum of the board uh, for a social uh, gathering. Now, we do want to be careful in our social settings not to be discussing public business, but if you're not, then it's okay, and you don't have to follow all of the niceties of the sunshine law. Now, I did say that public business is defined pretty broadly, so you want to be careful there. It, public business is defined as all matters which relate in any way to the performance of the public governmental body's functions or the conduct of its business. So if we have something that relates in any way to the performance of the school board's functions or the conduct of the school board's business, well… That is something that's going to be public business. So if you get into a question about whether or not those conditions exist, you probably need to be talking to counsel about that one as well. All right. Here we go. My last one. The last closed session curiosity. And that relates to personnel and more specifically, the hiring, firing, disciplining, or promotion of an individual employee. Now, as many people know, that is something that is an exception under the Sunshine Law that allows us to close the vote regarding and the discussion regarding the hiring, firing, disciplining, and promotion of an individual. But it is also something that becomes open, at least part of it does. What I mean by that specifically is that there is a provision that says that if it is the final vote of the Board of Education regarding the hiring, firing, disciplining, or promotion of an individual, 
employee, then that will become an open record, meaning the final vote of the board and how each board member voted becomes open. Once the employee is informed of the decision, but uh, not any later than 72 hours. So it's not as if everything just becomes open record at, at, at the 72-hour mark. If we inform the person right away, maybe the next morning, it's an open record at that point. The other thing is, is the only thing that becomes open is the, the final vote of the board and how each board member voted. So the discussion that we have in closed session that might be included in those minutes is not something that becomes an open record, not unless the board votes to do that or decides that they're going to do that. Well, I've covered some closed session curiosities, some oddities, procedural quirks, if you will, and I appreciate you taking the time to visit with me today about those things. I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to Ed Council Insights. We do appreciate it. Always appreciate your feedback if you have any for us. Uh, and we do get that from listeners and, and we do appreciate it very much. We hope you'll follow and share our podcast on social media and subscribe to hear upcoming episodes on current legal topics and issues related to school law. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or you can just check us out on our website. Just Google Ed Council. that's E-D-C-O-U-N-S-E-L, all one word, and you'll find us there. Glad we could be together, and thanks for listening to this edition of Ed Council Insights.